twist, twist it up again. Just go, think about the good things. Go, go into my safe space behind my yes. sunglasses. <laughs> <laughs> Put on your sunglasses for the rest of the show, Mike. <laughs> this is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download. Back again for another episode. This week's guest on the show today, my grandmother. We call her Memo. Yes, you do. Martha Earnhardt. Um, how many out there say Memo? I, I don't. Yeah. I don't hear it. Much. It's got to be a Southern thing. Is yeah. that right? I don't know what it is, but it's what we always it's called her. So um, anyhow, let's get started, then. It's been yeah. a uh, wild race yesterday. Oh, did you enjoy it? I had a great time. Uh, yeah. I mean, New Hampshire uh, is a great weekend. Matthew went up uh, with us because uh, he loves it. He gets to see the Mads run. The, the, ma- the, the Mads. Mads run. The Mads. The Madifites. <laughs> and uh, the Ground Pandas. Yeah, the K&N cars are there. Uh, yeah, they had some legend cars racing outside on a little dirt track. That was pretty cool. Honestly, it's a great ticket. I mean, the the entire weekend's a lot of fun. The the complex, the the layout for the campground, I think it's pretty Hall of Fame. enjoyable. Yeah. They got a Hall of Fame there. Lots to do. In New Hampshire. And we saw a great race. I think we saw great racing in both events on Saturday for the Xfinity race that we covered. And the Modifieds. Um, Well, I didn't cover that. (laughs) The Modifieds was great, but the races that I saw uh, and covered were excellent. The uh, Xfinity race, Christopher Bale drove away from Dewey Wood. Totally okay with that. There was great racing, though, throughout the field. Great battles. Um, Cindric, the entertainer. Austin Cindric, <laughs> yes, he, he was great. He's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of guys. And then you had, then you had Paul Menard uh, dumping uh, Harrison Burton. That was really awkward uh, because <laughs> Jeff Burton's in the booth covering mm. the race, and he's like, "Man, can this get any more difficult for me right now?" And they said, um, "They're talking in our ear. They're like, hey, we're looking for Harrison. We're going to get an interview, Harrison.'" I said, "Jeff Burton, yes, it's getting ready to get more de- <laughs> difficult for you." <laughs> Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. This, this is actually going to get more uncomfortable because they're going to interview your son. Hopefully, he doesn't say anything you'll regret. And and Harrison handled it awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a great interview. I yeah. thought. I mean, listen, the uh, well, I think what Paul did was BS. Um, you know, once I didn't know whether he just cooked it into the corner. Uh, you know, you can't assume. Look, that was intentional until you look at all the footage and you get the interviews and so forth and then you can you know you know choose what your opinion is but he came out and owned it he said i ran over him yeah yeah uh, he hit me he didn't like it so i, I hit him again did you see the uh the cell phone video of their conversation yeah. on pit road it was interesting. did you have opinion about that yeah so the there's nothing i think that's more insulting for you if you're harrison burton you're almost more insulted by that uh mm. his I, I think paul's like I, you know, I don't care. Glib, kind of just yeah. nonchalant, like yeah, yeah. yeah like I this, got you. I got you right over here. Yeah, That's what, yeah. I wrecked you. Yeah, Put you in a fence over there, and then one, two. Yep. Right. Um. You know, and his carelessness about he, the fact that he didn't give a damn how Harrison felt. At least he didn't lie though and say, "Well, yeah, I didn't mean to." Yeah, he owned it at least. Just racing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he owned it because, um, you know that that way there was no speculation whatsoever. But it's you know the, the there and look he did it. He has his reasons. That's fine. Paul's been around this sport a long time. That's him. He owned it. But you can you can obviously have an opinion about it, whether you liked it or didn't like it. And I didn't like it. I didn't think that – I think that you give what you get, and I just didn't think the punishment fit the crime. You know, uh, Harrison – I had watched Harrison 
early in the race and he wasn't leaning on guys. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like I think if the guy's out there hassling everybody, yeah, maybe you dump him and, and teach him a lesson because he's bugged everybody all day long and been a been a bit of a pain in the ass for everyone. Uh, but that was really the only time I thought I saw Harrison get aggressive at all. He had been trying to pass guys a lot, had a lot of opportunity to pass guys because his car was really good, and he was trying to stay off of them, running extremely low tight lines around the corners. And I was saying in the broadcast and talking to Jeff, like, man, he needs to use these guys up a little bit. He needs to take the lane. He needs to go in the corner and just take the position and, and force those guys to, to give it to him. And the one time he does it, he gets turned around, and uh, they really didn't even hit that much or hard. It didn't really knock – it didn't even knock Paul out of the groove. And, man, Paul just ended his day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I just thought that was way over what Harrison deserved. If anything, just move him back up out of the groove if you want to. I don't know. I don't know what you do. But I just thought that was that was messed up, man, because Harrison is a young kid. You're coming down into their series. You're the only cup guy in the field uh, that's down in their series. And the cup guys are there to, you know, have fun, win races, but they also are there to show etiquette, uh, teach those guys kind of how to race as they move up into the cup series, teach them the things that they need to know. And um, I don't know that Harrison learned anything from that. Not anything good. Well, I learned a lot about Harrison, uh, which is, you know, not exactly, uh, you know, uh, solace for him in that case because he got taken out. But the fact is, is that Harrison, typically when a rookie or when a new guy comes up and going to give lip to a veteran, I don't like that. I think, you know, rookies typically just need to shut their mouth and take their medicine and, you know, learn their lessons. But Harrison Burton held himself with such class and and the way he addressed that situation was not to go punk Paul yeah, Menard exactly. and make him look silly and make him look like a jerk. They, you know, and it, he went and addressed it, held his ground, stood firm against it, which I think you're always entitled to do that. Yes. And to be honest with you, Harrison Burton always has impressed me. I, I, I remember sitting at a table with him at the Driven to Give event a few years ago, and I'm like, man, this kid is so impressive. Just to, he seems so much more mature than than he is than his age. And yet, that was another Harrison Burton impressing me moment. And and to be honest with you, I thought Paul Menard, you know, you don't expect him to go crazy on anything. But the fact is, is that this confrontation, if you will, ended with them shaking hands, saying nice job to each other, and splitting amicably, really? what I felt. I yeah. didn't think so. I didn't, I didn't see I didn't that, see that, that part way at all. Well, it's in the video. Oh, okay. I didn't. I, I didn't don't see that. I don't part. think that. The, you think uh, it was sarcastic? You think it was kind of a sarcastic thing? I don't like think nice they were job? very. Uh, I don't think they were amicable. No. Maybe that's the I wrong mean, they word. Weren't, they weren't. Right, they weren't. They weren't confrontational. Yeah. In their departure. And I don't think they shook hands. Did they shake hands? I didn't see that. They gave each other a pat. Paul Bernard gave him a pat. And Mike has a Mike has a really broad term for handshaking. <laughs> Well, gave him a pat. Look, hey. they ended up. He said, "Nice job yeah. to him." They and they split. They split amicably. Hey, I'm not. I'm not handshake. losing handshake. my mind on this. Handshake. I'm just messing you guys, with you. You know, let's let, let's pull it up. Social media. Let's pull it's it up. Gonna, it's, yeah. What's up? God she was in the middle of handshake. <laughs> Even if that was it, though, Dale. Shaking hands with me. Does that not prove my Are point? Are we shaking hands? Hey, Dale. Hugs, brother. Handshake. What's up? Yeah. Handshake. Mike. Long, Mike, I love you. Uh, shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I didn't ask you. <laughs> Pull it up. I'm working on it. No, I mean, calm it, it, down, it was Mr. two days ago. And here we go. It takes a while to go back. I've had right in front of you. They, they, hollering it, at me to pull it up. Pull it up. They ended up better Where's than the we're They ended up better than we're going to end up right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, calm down. No, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I, it ain't gonna end as well here. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we amicable? Yeah, you're like my Menard right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah, yeah. You're my Menard. <laughs> Mike, I'm gonna call Mike, you. Are you right? gonna handle call it like Harrison? All right, nice all right. Mike has been pushed. Doubtful. Mike has been pushed <laughs> too far. Yeah. Stop. You you turned me. It didn't take much today. God, we, we, we got so much show left. <laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to say about Mino- the freaking Xfinity race, or can we move on to the cup okay, race? Okay, let's move on to the cup <laughs> race. God almighty. Uh, I, think we I said. make a point about Harrison being <laughs> mature, and then turn to this. <laughs> freaking <laughs> holes. Oh, man. Anyhow. All right. Great race on Sunday. You know, came down to the end. Very similar to last year where the faster car is, again, uh, Kevin Harvick. Is chasing or the faster car is actually chasing down the the lead car. Kevin Harvick is on the other end of it this time. He's the lead car being chased down, being hunted. Last year he was running down the 18 car. Kyle Busch moved him out of the way. We get down to the last lap of the race, and here it is. Denny Hamlin's presented with an opportunity to uh, do whatever he needs. Um, honestly, you know. He said, look, I'd love to do it differently. I probably should have done it differently. But Harvick really put himself in a position to make that a tough choice. This is what I wanted to ask you. Yeah. I know Harvick said he did that. And, he, and he's saying he's half throttle, which uh-huh. I, I don't know that I was buying that. But did he really manipulate the situation in that he prevented himself yes. or he gave himself a better chance of not being moved and yes. rooted out? Yeah. That's so, incredible driving. I then. know. I was so impressed by that. He didn't half throttle the entire straightaway. Obviously, you see on corner the exit. Right. In a corner exit of turn two, he throw, he's, he's accelerating past the 11. But he backed up entry to three. He also backed up his entry to one. And I think the reason why he did that, and I'm just guessing, but if he goes in the corner normally, and, and the, the an ex- example of that would be Kyle Busch the year before. If he goes in the corner like he typically does, it's going to be easy for Denny to go in there and just barely give him a little bump to get him up over the seam, mm-hmm. out of that third groove where it's completely slick no man's land, and it, and it's going to be an easy pass mm-hmm. for Denny. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to give Denny that shot. I'm going to back the corner way up. If he hits me and shoves me out of the groove, he's going to have to really be in the throttle, really be shoving the heck out of my race car. But I'm going to slow this entry way down and not give him the chance to push me up out of the groove. He's going to have to go around the outside of me, and if he does that, I'm just going to gas it up and take off and door him mm-hmm. off the corner, which he did in turn three and four. Just really... Good defensive driving for Harvick. If you're in, the, if you're a lead car in that situation, I think that's the best thing you can do is to slow down the entry, get the car low, don't allow the guy to drive you up out of the groove, don't allow the guy to get under you, get you in the left rear quarter panel and get you loose. Make him go around the outside, and once he gets out there, you you be the one that drives him out of the groove. It's amazing. Yeah, it, that's it, what he did. It, but but there I can't imagine there being a lot of people to have the wherewithal to actually do that on the last lap. It, so I'm I'm impressed with how he did that. If that's in fact what he did, yeah. And you're saying that's what he did. I mean, that's he manipulated that situation. Usually, you're hung out to dry if you're yeah. the leader in that case. I was really impressed with Denny on the opportunity in turn three. So he drives down into one and he shoves he shoves the four into the corner a little bit. You know, so that was his one try to be aggressive and and do anything with the bumper, right? And he tried and it didn't work. So we're going down the back straightaway, and I'm thinking in my mind, okay, man, if Denny goes in there and tries to rough him up again, that's kind of like, that's a bit taken too much from the table, right? Okay. That's like going to the buffet and, and being a little, getting a little too much, right? <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, he had his chance to move him, 
it didn't work, right? Can't go down in the next corner and do it all again. You know, it just would be a bad look. And then he didn't. He's like, I'm going to drive around him. I thought that that was admirable. Impressive. But did he have a choice at that point? Because the way Kevin Harvick drove. Yeah, Kevin went low. He could have tried to shove him into the corner again and drove him even further into the corner or maybe tried harder to shove him up out of the groove. Hold on. But he chose to go to the outside. It's almost like, though, Kevin baited him into doing that. I know, but that's, he, I guess that's my point. Do you think that without the uh, Denny Harvick did not baited? initiate more contact? That's my point. Okay, I course. was thought that was pretty admirable that he didn't. He he had his opportunity in one. He tried. He did what he did. It didn't work, and he didn't initiate more physical contact with their cars. I was like, wow, okay, he's going to try to do it the right way. You know, it's okay to push a guy the way. It's okay mm-hmm. to run over a guy. But if you tried and failed, you don't go down in the next corner and do it. Do it, try it all over again. It's like... Oh, I expected him to. I, I was wondering how that was going to go down. And he drove to the outside, like, hey, I'm going to take this outside lane. I'm going to try to make this work. And I really thought, man, if unless, you know, if Harvick, if Harvick doesn't door him, the Levin's going to beat him off the corner. But Harvick gassed it, and he said it. He said, man, when he got out there, I, I gassed it, and I drove, that car, I drove off the corner as if the 11 wasn't there. And that's what he had to do, or mm-hmm. he was going to lose the race. I, I thought it was I thought it was great. They got out. Nobody was pissed. I mean, obviously Denny was disappointed. They get out. Nobody's pissed, throwing a fit. Right. You know, you got a winner. You got a guy disappointed, but he's saying, "Hey, I, I, I should have done something a little different." Maybe. You know, he didn't say. I don't remember him saying exactly what he might have tried, but he's probably. I mean, we, that's what you do when you lose. You relive and think, "Man, what could I have done?" And I just was really happy to leave the racetrack. Feeling good about the race. Feeling good about a great finish. We had great battles all day long. Yeah. Great strategy. Interesting strategy. Guys taking no tires, two tires, four tires. Comers and goers. People getting past. Um, yeah. I, you see Kyle Busch make a mistake going into turn one. One of the best race wow. car drivers in our sport. You saw it happen. You were watching. You yeah. were glued to it because as he as soon as he came out of the groove, you were like, whoa, watch it. And then it, yeah. boom, right into the wall. And then uh, Clint Boyer and, and Truex on the front yeah. straightaway. I mean, you're seeing the, the best in our business in di- in difficult situations, you know, d- dealing with adversity, mm-hmm. dealing with these struggles and frustrations, and it's awesome because yeah. you know that they're being tested, right? You know that they're in. You know the cars are hard to drive. I was telling this. I was telling Steve Letart this on the way home. I was like, you know what I've learned about racing this year. I don't care how much downforce they put on the cars. I don't care how much grip they put in. We all were hearing it at the start of the year. Oh, man, wide open, easy. This, this ain't going to be any fun. Man, this ain't going to be any fun. Not fun to watch, not fun watching them just flat-footed everywhere. I don't care what you do to the cars, what package and rules you put on it. Those engineers and crew chiefs are going to make them hard to drive because that's how they, get, that's how so they, they get go fast. fast. Right. So you think... Man, you look at those spoilers and the splitters and all that and think, man, them things are they're stuck. Ain't no way they're gonna get loose. Ain't no way they're gonna slide and, and get and wreck and hit walls and nobody's gonna spin out today. We don't have any cautions. Mm. No. Nope. Cause if you if you wanna go fast, it's gonna have to be uncomfortable. And that's what the engineers and crew chiefs do. They make them fast mm-hmm. and you have to drive it. And so I know we had a little more horsepower this weekend than typically, but we saw it at Kentucky. Even with the, the the low horsepower, guys getting out of the you know getting we saw seven time champion Jimmy Johnson bust his butt. Yeah, I mean they're hard to drive. They put them on the edge, and the cars. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. We've had some great racing, particularly since the NBC's taken over. 
I don't know why that is. It's happened two years in a row where NBC gets <laughs> You guys the, get some races. We get some you? great races, man. Um, you I, know who has an opinion about uh, driving, uh, how easy it is out there? Alex Bowman after this weekend. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's so easy. on his third car. <laughs> and he still ended up yeah, finishing. But, in the but here's 15. the thing. Everybody torched the guy like he was John West Townley. We were talking. We were having ice cream and, and talking about it because he was like, man, everybody's all over me. And I'm like, well, yeah, every to Twitter, you're John West Townley. But God. it's like, dude, your first – Deal. It was a drive shaft. It wasn't your fault. Right. You only wrecked one car. You know. Yeah. Well, anytime you get, end up driving, I did your... not even sense that. I did not. Sense. He did. He said that it's yeah. like, man, just Twitter's that's all him. over. That, yeah. That's him. That's his you know? Twitter being Twitter. mean again. That's yeah, his innate personality, <laughs> though. Before he even got out of the car, uh, after the <laughs> second one, he's like, "Oh, I didn't tear up the first one. That was not my fault." <laughs> he's defensive know? already. Yeah. Uh, so you know. I wanted to ask you about the last 10 or 15 laps. I was prepared to come in here and give you a hard time almost in a fun, joking way. Give it. Give it to me, Mike. Of, I can of, handle no, no, no. it on this podcast no, this is amicably. Me, this is, uh, this and we'll is, shake hands afterwards. I was wrong. I was prepared to accuse you guys of creating unnecessary drama in the past in the five, 10 or 15 laps by saying – this is the last thing Harvick needed, or here he comes. Hamlin's faster, even if he would be like two thousandths of a second faster. And it's like, there's no way. And I wasn't alone in this because I know that, like, with five to go, Gluck tweeted, barring a caution, this one's Harvick's, right? <laughs> yeah. And which wasn't true. So, well, yeah. That's my point, obviously, is that something in the last five laps, I mean, even Denny busted his ass and lost a lot of time within yeah. the last five laps. And I thought that was it. That was your I did chance. Too. And yet, at the end, Everything you guys were kind of building up came to fruition in a big way with that last lap drama. And so I stand corrected. If I was going to prepare to give you a hard time, I was also prepared to fall on the sword myself and say, wow, they got that race. And, and, and you know, Rick Allen saying, this is the last, th- this, this traffic, this lap traffic is not what Harvick wanted to see. Turns out Rick Allen was 100% right yeah, yeah. because that lap traffic slowed him down enough for Denny to get back to his uh, bumper. Yeah, so the one car, uh, that gave one the one car that created the biggest issue for Harvick was uh, Austin Dillon. Oh, really? Uh, so the lap a lap or so before that, they catch Corey LaJoy off of turn four, and mm-hmm. Corey pulled down and got way out of the way and said, "I ain't going. I ain't want none of this. You know, I don't want to be the guy. You know that gets these two battling and gets gets a four car spun out off the nose at eleven or something like that, right? So that's what you're thinking is a lap car, and then they call Austin, and Austin ran his line. Which he can. Totally, he his, can. Uh, totally his prerogative to make Harvick go by on the inside, which he did. Well, he's not going to pull over for Harvick. Well, I'm not going to speculate whether he did that on purpose. <laughs> I know. But he ran his line. He didn't move out of the way. Uh, and Harvick had to go around him on the bottom and lost a ton of momentum. And off turn mm. four, the, the 11 car is there mm. within, within uh, reach, physically reach. And so you're thinking, oh man, down here in turn one, it's he's gonna have to he's gonna have to hit him. There's no way that the eleven can get by clean on the last lap. Right, gotta hit him, and that's okay, totally totally acceptable. But um, the way those the what with the giant spoiler on the back of the car, even at that mile and a half, the guy, you know, the, you can be 15 car lengths behind a car and feel some, you know, aero deficiency. And as you get within 10 car lengths, you certainly start to feel it. I mean, it's it's a big wake behind these cars. So, especially on old tires mm-hmm. late in a run, it's definitely a problem. Um, you're not you're going to lose time. You're not going to run as fast. So, the other thing, too, I think that helps us in the booth, and I, and I don't know if I can articulate this well, and, but I, I was saying this to Steve during the 
during the race in the commercial, you know, Steve's a crew chief. He's watching from the booth high above. Imagine what sort of the perspective that an uh, offensive coordinator has for a football team. Why is the offensive coordinator up, up there? Why? Instead of down on the ground. So he can see. Right. He can see the whole so – right. develop. Yep. So Steve's up there, and he's like pulling his hair out with some of the decisions these crew chiefs are making. Mm. Why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? And I said, Steve, I said, I'm telling you, man, it's the perspective from this booth compared to being down on the ground in the, in the, in the, on the pit box. This view is better. This view gives you a better opportunity to understand how the race is unfolding, to see a car on two tires and how well it's doing versus the field and be able to make a decision for yourself to make that choice later. It's easier to see, and, and, and you can make those decisions with way more confidence with this perspective in the booth. One time, years ago, I think Chad Knauss was suspended in the last race of the season at Homestead. And they said, you can't be inside the track. So he called the race from a booth. And I said to myself, that's almost going to be an advantage. He doesn't know it, and NASCAR doesn't know it, but they have actually, he's actually going to be able to call the race better mm. from that perspective. Being forced in that situation to sit in that booth and call it from that vantage point, he's actually going to go, you know what, this is not half bad. I actually might like this better. Right. Right? If he can, under, if he can, if he can be okay with the... The physic, you know, releasing of the physicality of being able to be down there with the team and go up to a guy and speak to him face to face. The booth is the better perspective, right? And it's my understanding, and and I guess it's my theory that in years from now, all the crew chiefs will be in booths. You said that recently on here. Yep, yeah. they will. They'll be all in the booths from some high vantage point, directing that race. The car chief will be on the pit box in charge of the personnel the physical confrontation and conversations he has with his team, the crew chief will direct the race and the strategy and everything from a vantage point such as the booth. And so while we're up there calling that race, we can understand, I think, better than Gluck in a press box or maybe Gluck has the same view as we do. I don't know. But if he's in the midi center, he obviously doesn't. Yeah, right. But a crew chief or a guy watching on TV, we have a – we have a, probably the best seat in the house to be able to understand, is this guy being affected by this lap traffic? Is, is this guy faster, and, and is he going to catch him? I could tell, like, Denny, barring, you know, Denny was gaining so much ground, and the, the four car was really starting to nose over on his lap time and his comfort and his car's, you know, his ability to get into the corner comfortably and fast enough, and Denny was really starting to eat into it you know, his his lead. I, I mean, it was just obvious that it was going to be close enough for Denny to get to f- make physical contact in that last lap. And obviously, Dawson Dillon really made that happen a lot quicker. I thought Denny would get to him in the last corner, but Denny, uh, with Dawson and, and the four having to go to the low side of him in turn three and four, that, that created that opportunity much sooner. Yeah. Do you think Denny went too, uh, uh, too soon? Should he have Saved his primary move for the last turn. No, you got to do it when you get a chance. Just I, when you pull up to you're him, you're so eager. Yep. Yeah, you're so eager. It boy, if he waits and doesn't three and four and it doesn't work, you're gonna go. Oh, I should have tried it as soon as I got there. Sure. You, know, you don't want to give a guy a chance to start pl- thinking of more. I mean, Harvick down the front straightaway. Maybe you thought about it sooner. Formed a plan for turn one. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. In that short period of time. Had a defense, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to give a guy a whole another half a lap to think about what he's going to do in three and four to stop you from taking this win away. But 
Harvick's a hard one to to take anything from. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I I thought, man, Denny's going to flat have to spin him out almost to to get through him. Give him credit, man. The yeah. guy can wheel it. Gosh Almighty, you're trying to wreck him. If you, if you are so good at driving and so on the last lap that you're hard to even wreck. Absolutely. Hard to move. That uh, it's impressive. You got to give him credit. Well, you know what else is impressive, buddy? Tell me. Valvoline! <laughs> Let's hear about it. Yeah, why? I have one. Wait, hey, real, real, real oh. quick. I have one thing to add. I was scrolling through Twitter after the race, and did you guys see the tweet about um, how much weight Matt DiBenedetto lost oh, yeah. during the race? It was like nine pounds. Yeah, 9.2 pounds during the race day. That was just incredible to me. How do you even... Like what? Like how do you even recover from that? Like what's he feel like today? It's all water weight. So I know, but pound waters and Gatorades. I, and I saw I, that tweet and I my first thought Paul was Paul the probably, Bull Menard. He it, likes pickle juice. Is that right? That's what, that's what I heard. But I don't know that that's, that's why he was so pounds. sour after uh, that that race. It's, it didn't, you do losing nine pounds didn't like seem as taste. unusual to me because. What was more unusual that they just weighed him? I, I don't. No, know. NBC Sports. Uh, they, he, NASCAR he America, volunteered they did a for that deal. For oh, that. I got you. Yeah. Okay, they weighed him so pre so and post. Yeah, I always assumed that, that you know drivers are losing seven, eight pounds, nine pounds. I think the average hot races. Yeah, the average is six to eight pounds. Did Did you weigh less or more this weekend after eating that lobster? I think lobster is pretty low cal, so probably yeah. about the same. I don't think I gained or <laughs> gained or lost any weight. Was it good? Yeah, lobster. <laughs> oh I yeah, have, I have a few of those next door. Every uh, so this is one thing I like about New Hampshire. Um, Greg Zipidelli has some friends, and they all park next door in the bus lot to me, and they cook a ton of lobster. And so they brought, they do this every year. They brought yeah, over yeah. two, they brought over two whole lobsters. That's awesome. And I just rip the tail off, take some scissors, and cut the tail open, and get that out and eat that. But I didn't eat the claws, and I heard that I <laughs> okay, should. Yeah. The claws are better. Is that right? That's what Steve Latart told me. Oh, get people how shaking you, their Like, head. how do you not eat the claw? Because I'm, you know, when you think lobster, what do you think? Tail. Claw. No. Well, I guess. I guess. When you think claw crab. sweeter. When you think crabs, you think legs, right? Yeah. Lobster, yeah. tail. I'm not eating Crab, the, legs. They don't have a tail, crabs. No one says, hey, man. <laughs> crab ain't got some, a tail. Hey, man, I'll take that. Uh, what's the special? Lobster claw. Nobody says that. <laughs> lobster claw. <laughs> there is more meat. You've no. got a point. Come on, man. No, lobster time. claw, mac and cheese. Yeah. By the way, I, I don't know. It was a belly tap, a haphazard belly tap. So. Oh, there was. That's oh, a hand, wow. It wasn't it was a handshake. handshake. It was a handshake. But I feel like there's somebody corrected themselves and said it was a tap. Feel like somebody said tap. Roll the tape. It's Think a tap. somebody it's said a little tap. haphazard, little uh, belly yeah. tap. Well, well it's definitely right? wasn't a hey, buddy, good job, no. shake hands like no. you. Of course, that's not, very that, I didn't say that, though, did I? He did. I said. They didn't have lobster afterwards. I said they split amicably. And with a tap. No, you, you said, said they shook hands. I corrected that after I said. <laughs> and when said good job. Like, good and job. you said they said, said good job to each other. He said. He <laughs> said. He might have said good job, but I think it Thank was sarcastic. You, <laughs> Thank me. you, Leah. <laughs> he said nice job. King of sarcasm over here. He said Doesn't nice job. They exchanged pleasantries. Hey, listen, shook hands. You guys, I'm going to help you out here. <laughs> Offered some positive criticism of I, each other's performance. I'm going to help all you guys out here. Y'all are going to go find out that you're so wrong. I got the video. I sent it to you. And did you hear it? It's right there. Did you listen? No, because I... Okay, I, so I'm going to help you out because somebody on Twitter is going to call your ass out. And, I'm gonna, and, and you will have to <laughs> say, you know laugh. what? Mike said I was Mike wrong was right. on this. He says, nice job. Now, y'all going to not believe me and make fun of me now, or are you going to put it on? Listen to it. Oh, I'll listen man. to it. I'm just willing to be wrong just for how yes, funny Yes, I, I was ready to move on. Y'all brought it back no, up. No, not move on. I said I'm willing to be wrong just for getting under your skin a little bit, having fun with you. All right. Good job. Yeah, thank you.
Oh, good job. Good job. Thanks, good job. I, it, I was right the first time. He was a smart oh, ass. You go sarcastic. Oh, of course said I said yes. that too, didn't I? But you're shaking your head. I'm right. I guess he so said So you should shake your head like job, this. You're right, like, Mike. Like, good job. Hey, Mike, job. good job. Yeah. Good, That's come so on. Sarcastic. Apologize. I didn't say that it was not sarcastic. Great job, you said Mike. It was amicable. I said it was amicable, which I'm not wrong. All of Great you. job on the segment, Dale. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right. Wow, that escalated quickly. Yeah. You guys are so... Hey, you do a good job. Well, Great this job. is why. This is why. You guys in the booth are sitting there just Snarky. going along with him because you got no... No, t- no, no. You don't have... <laughs> Leah doesn't have a thought of her own. Matthew's going along <laughs> with it. And so I'm right. I'm an idiot. I, just I don't like have any thoughts of my own. Damn it. That's the root of all of this. Can you calm down? <laughs> <laughs> Brian's over there cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> when Brian's laughing, that, that's probably a good thing. All right, so do y'all want to do apologies now, or do y'all want to do, wait, save it for social I media? Mean, I think you're apologize the one that needs to apologize. I'm just like Paul Menard. Of, of course you don't. If Dale would have apologized, then Lee would have been like, you know what, I'm sorry too. All right, well, he, he'll give you your next line. Don't worry. Oh, my gosh. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, good. I'm Paul Menard. All right. Good job. Good job. Good job. That's what he said. Oh, good job. That's such a good job. It's what he said. Oh, God almighty. Good. You sons of – it just occurred to me. Here he goes. It just occurred to me. I'm going to have to stay off Twitter this week. Why? Because this is what happens. Oh, <laughs> yes. This last time this happened, he got roasted on Twitter. And, and uh, he was yeah. pissed. And I was right then, too. But <laughs> You were on that one. In fact, I was. And this one, too. This one. Dale even later said to me. Uh, Dale later admitted. Uh, like a few weeks later, I was, I was right without him realizing it. Yeah, I'm going to have to stay off Twitter. Yeah, because everybody you, like, you and Alex Bowman just get off Twitter for a while. Well, I you might enjoy a break. I've been taking breaks actually, yeah. but yeah, they're going to be like, "Little Lee, you're right. <laughs> 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 you're right, man. That wasn't real. That was sarcasm, Little Lee." <laughs> I'll stay off. All right, yeah, we, we, we were. What else is? We good? were moving on to a Valvoline and read until Leah interrupted. Sorry. He had the best, most natural segue. I did. Yeah. And Leah had a thought Sorry. of her own. I had a thought of yes, my own that I never, it never happened. So I thought yeah. I'd yeah. join in. I guess another thing Mike's wrong <laughs> about. My another thing Mike's wrong about. She had a thought of her own. I'm gonna sit over here, and I'm just gonna be one of those Twitter people that just weighs in on Twitter. Yes. Yeah, talk to us. Talk you to Mike should. on Twitter. Fire up a couple burner. I bet she has a couple burner accounts. I would love to have a burner account. Needles, Mike. Oh, <laughs> this is what you get <laughs> on on social. That wouldn't work. Only you guys have that effect on me, man. Apparently, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just you guys are wrong about things, and it's like only thing that I like. Wrong. Only thing that I really care anything about was that you said they shook hands and they didn't, and I wanted to poke on all the different things we could do. That we would that you might call a handshake. Yeah, I remember. Like, I remember you doing that. Like, yeah. is this a handshake? You no, know, I, was, yeah. I, I, so I remember. So that's all Shoot I want. Yeah, I just wanted to have fun with that. But then, like Ren and Stimpy over here had to go pile on. <laughs> I'm gonna start Ren. making. I'm gonna start making a list of all the insults. Look at it. What did y'all today? just do there? Y'all did kind that of. That was not a handshake. That, that was not, a high five. High five. Yeah, that, I, did, I did say it was a handshake. What do y'all do? Y'all doing that little thing that Menard and Harrison did? No, the, no I didn't. I didn't tap, tap, his, tap his belly. belly. Yeah. No thanks. No. <laughs> this is awesome. Little cat. <laughs> All right. Uh, sadly, we got to move on to our uh, ad read here for Valvoline. Yeah, before we bring in Mamaw here, let's let's get this one. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> I derailed him. Yeah. You guys just don't want him to read the Valvoline. No. Said, just say yeah. so. Valvoline, we love you, but <laughs> let me tell you all about Valvoline. Why? 
Because Junior Nation knows I was sponsored by Valvoline for several years, and I even drove a Valvoline car at Darlington back in 2015. It was a great paint scheme, and as many of the Valvoline cars have raced in NASCAR, all of them are awesome. Mm-hmm. really like this one. This is a throwback to kind of like uh, Kel Yarborough, Ron Bouchard, a couple different guys. A lot of different drivers are sponsored by Motor Oils, but Valvoline, they're something different. They're more than just a logo on my suit or on my car. They're a real partner. They're hands-on. You know, years ago, I thought that you bought oil, you put it in your race car, and you went to the track, and you raced. Not Valvoline. They actually send teams over to Charlotte to work directly with our engine guys in the garage to squeeze out more horsepower, depending on whatever track that we needed the horsepower, where we needed it, where we needed the power to be, the torque to be. They would mix oils together to develop different thicknesses and so forth. Whether it's a plate track, road course, short tracks, they would create a oil and a solution to make our cars and our motors better. Valvoline was with me when I won at Martinsville in 2014, finally getting my grandfather clock at one of NASCAR's most historic tracks. That's why Valvoline is the only motor oil I trust in my engines, and that's why you should trust them in your motor as well. From high-mileage rides that need that thick anti-wear film to newer engines that have carbon buildup, head over to Valvoline.com slash Dale to find the product spec for your engine. That's Valvoline.com slash Dale. We've never had a guest that come, can come in here and tell Dale Jr., yeah, you, you better be listening to me. Yeah, yeah you have. <laughs> well, I, we have? <laughs> Kelly? I got some, t- some tales. R- like. RCR? There's a half of them. They Dale you, Jarrett? Now you listen. Brenda? You yeah. listen to this. Bre- Brenda? Yeah. We've got a lot of guests. All right. Well, I stand corrected, Grandma. <laughs> you, you're, you're just but, like all the others. Well, I grew up in the sport, grew up around it. My dad raced, you know. And Ralph Earnhardt proved that it can run almost as fast. I came from the hard-working side of the track, like racing. And four wide. A lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice. It's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. using Wesson's mark from his father. He worked, he worked hard. That was the hardest, hardest race I ever drove. All right, Mamaw, welcome to the show. Thank you. You know, we've had a lot of great guests on our show in uh, this year, but in the past as well. But I'm excited about this. we got a lot of great questions, obviously, that we want to ask you. i got some stories to tell, too. Ooh. Do you? <laughs> Have you? So I guess, you know, I a lot of this stuff I'll be hearing for the first time. But go back to how you and Ralph met. Actually, him and his brother came to watch their cousin that, Went to Odell School where I went. Yep. And they come to watch her play ball, basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was on the ball court. And Jay told me, Ralph's brother told me, that when he saw me on the ball court, he told him that was the girl he was going to marry. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, just watching a basketball game. And they introduced us that night, and we started dating and went from there. Wow. That was it. That was it. Pretty much a man who knew what he wanted. Absolutely. Yeah. At a basketball game. And when you saw him, did you think he was good looking? Or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of a quiet person. He wasn't real, real talkative, but he let you know what he wanted to tell you, and that was the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, the one thing – so Ralph passed away in 73. I was born in 74, and I'd never heard – I'd never seen any video of him. There's no home video yeah, or any. We, did. we it, didn't have stuff like that back then. Right. So I went through the majority of my, you know, tw- first 25 or so years of my life having never heard the sound of his voice, the speed of his cadence, 
uh, his mannerisms, thing, you know, Yo, know, Dad yeah. had that thing with his smile, yeah. smile to one side of his face. His eyes are, you know, he had he had certain eyes that were recognizable, or things or traits about his mannerisms, and I'd never seen that in Ralph or knew what that sounded like or what. I you know, heard so many stories about what an awesome driver he was, great man. Yeah, he started on old dirt tracks. Yeah, and then one day, Dad br- Dad pulled this tape out and stuck it in the uh, VCR and said, hey, "I want you to watch this." So I got this video, and, and Daddy's in here and he's talking. And I said, "Whoa!" You know, b- buckled down, and I'm excited. And we watched this video, and it was a race around that Ralph ran, a sportsman race ran. Uh, he ran against uh, Leroy Yarborough and Bobby Allison and a couple of other guys at Charmer Speedway. And Ralph ended up winning uh, once they found the uh, car of Leroy Yarborough illegal. And they interviewed Ralph. Chris McConaughey, I believe, interviewed Ralph. And you hear him talk, complain his day. I mean, really, a really, really great uh, example of his mannerisms, his cadence, his yeah. sound. And that was really amazing. And I'm trying to imagine as you're telling these stories, that sound and his speed and his talk. Um, and you said he was a quiet guy and didn't, you he know, wasn't, yeah. wasn't a chatty kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Was his personality always the same? Y'all knew each other your whole lives, right? Did his, did his personality change as he grew up? And what kind of, teen, what kind of man was he, as a, I guess, as a, well, as a teenager versus when, uh, a father? We first got married, you know, he worked for Berlin Edelman down in the garage down on 29. And, so he was uh, a mechanic? Yeah. Working on cars all his life. Right. And uh, when he was thinking about something, you didn't talk to him, you mm-hmm. know. Kind of like Dad. Yeah. That was the same. Because <laughs> you could talk to him, he wouldn't answer you. Uh-uh. He'd keep his mind on what he was thinking about, yeah. you know. So Dad decided to quit high school. And Ralph was not happy about that. So how do you remember how that sort of conversation went or, or the few weeks where that was sort of happening? And Dad, I can't, I can't, just can't imagine Dad allowing me or, or Kelly to have, ha, be able to make that decision. Like he'd be like, no, you're going to school and I'm going to drive you there if I have to myself. Well, so how did that all work out? I think it's because Dale really got behind in school and he was older than He a failed lot of, twice or yeah. at least twice. He was yeah. 16 in the eighth grade. Yeah. So how did that conversation, so he was way behind and he comes in one day and says, I'm, I've got an idea. I don't want to go to school no more. I can't remember exactly how it happened, Dale. It's just the fact that he, just he would do everything to keep from going to school. Yeah. And so it just, we just finally, he just finally gave up and we just let him go, whatever. So when he was that age, what was he spending his time, what was dad spending his time doing in the garage with Ralph? Yeah. So even though he was doing something like quit getting out, you know, he's quitting school, going against Ralph's wishes, because he said that over and over throughout his life, how that disappointed his father. Ralph would let him come in there and work. He yeah. made him work, yeah. I suppose. If yeah, you're not going to go to school, you're going to have to do something. Absolutely, he did. Huh. So he worked out in the garage with his dad. Yep. Do you remember the first race car you ever saw, whether it was Ralph's or anybody else's? Your first memory of racing? Well, actually, I think where, Dale, where Ralph got the need for speed yeah. was he used to work on bootlegger cars, him and Berlin. <laughs> he did. When he worked at Berlin Edelman's garage. They'd work on bootleggers, and Ralph would deliver them back to the bootleggers. And uh-huh. uh, 
I think that's where he got the need for speed. He 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 loved that. <laughs> yeah, I bet being able to drive those hot rods back over yeah. to the bootlegger. I'd never even heard that. I didn't know yeah, he he they had... lived up in like in North Wilsboro up that way. Yeah, and he delivered a lot of them back, and uh, <laughs> he like, loved it. We got married. I was seventeen. He was nineteen when we got married. How long had y'all dated? About six months. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Boy, Ralph really knew what well, he like wanted. Like he said, that well, he saw game, me on the ball court that day, and <laughs> that's it. Night they introduced he, us. He fell in love. I'm talking, that, oh. jump, that, that jump shot was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Were you real good at basketball? Yeah, I loved to play basketball. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that must be where I get it. <laughs> 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 Mike seen me on the basketball court. He I knows. Love it. He uh, knows better than that. Yeah, I played basketball and softball. All right, so y'all got married. First kid was Kay. Kay, and how old were you? How long y'all been married? We'd been married about uh, we'd been it was over a, a year. I okay, can't so right exactly. away y'all were having kids. And how many kids well, did you have, Memo? I had five. Five kids. Did you think you were going to have five kids when you got married? Did really. you want five kids? Mm-mm. Like so, me and Amy, we're talking like <laughs> no, yeah, I didn't want. Them. Like I'm thinking too. Well, I loved them, you know, but I wasn't sure. really, <laughs> wasn't really ready yet for the whole right. But so, what's that all? What's that conversation like with Ralph? <laughs> like when are we gonna stop having these kids? Because <laughs> me and Amy have been talking, and we're like, yeah, we're, we'd love to have just two. Two's good. So you I, need to get a boy, you know, get your well, boy. Well, is that why y'all See, kept I, having kids yeah, to get that boy? I, well, we had two well, girls. We had three boys. We had two girls, then we had three boys. <laughs> After now, the first boy, why didn't you stop trying? <laughs> Who was the first boy? Was it Randy or Dale? It was Dale. Yeah. And then Randy and, and then, then Danny. Danny. So d- Danny's the baby. Danny's the baby. Yeah, did he y'all, He seems to be annoyed to be the baby sometimes. <laughs> he doesn't like being the baby. Yeah, in fairness, Danny seems annoyed oh, about no, a lot of things. 60, 63 years old. I so. know. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a couple girls. Kathy, who's here in the studio, uh, she raced a little bit. She, did you think that was – was that good with she, you? She won – I know. She – Fifteen ladies races. Yeah, they used to have a race. Races called the Powder Puff Division, where the females would race at the dirt tracks in uh, Metroline or Concord, and uh, she was extremely good. And she done real good. Did you, you did you mind her racing? Well, actually, I really worried about her. Right. Because she. You but know, then you saw her go out there and do so good. I bet you were like, "Hey, <laughs> put her in the guys' division. Let's see what she can do." She could have won. She said she was supposed to be the first boy, and Dale got her ride. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever race? I tried it one time. Let's hear about it. Because I don't well, think I've heard Ralph, this story. Ralph and this Bud Allman owned two cars together. And me and his, they decided to let me and his wife drive at Hickory Speedway one night. Like, was there a women's division then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we was running in the ladies' race. Yeah. Well, me and her both wrecked and tore the cars up. They had to fix, <laughs> and they had our race before Ralph's race. Oh no! So was bad they had to take both cars and fix one for Ralph to drive in the main event. Between the, the two cars, they had to make one work, <laughs> yeah. build one. Now Ralph has that, little to say. That was, but did he that have was something my, to say about that. That was my own one and only. <laughs> that that was it for you. <laughs> yeah, it was it. but you you tell that story because uh, you were always upset that he didn't let you actually practice the car. Is that right? 
Well, that's the yes, right. And and so he what did, did he expect I didn't from even, you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't get to practice the car. I did not. We just got out there and started running, trying to run, and that just didn't work. <laughs> oh, I man. just wasn't meant to be a race car driver. What did Ralph think about the crash? <laughs> well, they like I said, they had to take both cars and fix him one to drive so he wouldn't worry about you well no not really <laughs> <laughs> i didn't get hurt or anything right though, so. still i would have been oh, if, when check amy, on you a little yeah, bit when amy's wrecked it she, amy ran a little race one time in bandoleros and she wrecked i was like oh hey you okay because <laughs> she was real claustrophobic she didn't want to be well i didn't really thing. wreck that bad i just run into the wall on the, on the <laughs> right in front of the grandstand where everybody could see me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, you weren't going to be cryptic about that. Everybody no, saw you wreck no, that one. Yep. So when y'all were at the racetrack, at the dirt track, taking your kids to the racetrack, of course, your five kids, what kind of kid was dad at the racetrack? Was he playing in the dirt? You know, how long was it before he's grown up? he grew up and started wanting to be around the car helping Ralph? Well, I think that all happened when out there in the garage. Yeah. How old was dad when he started really start, you know, becoming a mechanic of his own? Well, he tried after Ralph passed away. He tried to run the garage by itself but yeah you know. but when he was old i'm just saying like old enough to go out there and actually work on the car how old was he probably about 14 or so yeah and so he's out in the garage helping ralph and going to would he travel with ralph to the races and we towed the car with our family car really yeah so I, on a, well i never will forget one time we was coming back from myrtle beach we was racing at myrtle beach and uh we was coming across, and I was driving. Ralph was laying down resting, and I was driving. I started slowing down. Ralph said, what's wrong? He raised up, and I said, well, well, I can't get this race car across that big, long bridge. He said, well, Martha, if you drive the car, the race car will follow it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, it was sure, you know, it was dark, and it was scary yeah. looking, and it just kind of scared me. But anyway, we got y'all had it. What kind of car did y'all have? An uh, green Oldsmobile. And you towed the race car with that. With a green Oldsmobile. My God, but you could not put nothing green in. I couldn't get nothing in that car with nothing green on it. Right. So yeah, talk about that. Yeah. So Ralph was Ralph believed in those superstitions of green was bad luck. No peanuts. No peanuts. The story is you tell me whether it's true or not that. When that he pulled a gun on somebody that was around his car with peanuts, I'm not sure. about Kathy's that. over there shaking her head. Yes, <laughs> what? That seems she like she probably an remembers that more than I do. <laughs> yeah, pulled a gun on. Yeah, him. it's wild in the pits, man. <laughs> wild, wild west. Yeah. Well, things used to be different back then. Seriously though, get <laughs> that different. You pull a gun for bringing peanuts. Listen, I, I mean, you're, you're, you yeah, need to he, ask Ralph. Yeah, he, he didn't want peanuts, <laughs> I guess. Don't get, don't bring the man any peanuts. Yeah. And now they just argue. Hey. Back in the day, it used to be two by fours and guns. Yeah, and and crowbars, <laughs> jack handles. So, um, do you remember meeting Brenda G? Yes, I do. When did y'all meet? Well, <clears throat> I can't remember exactly the date. Do you remember if you liked her or not? Yeah, I liked her. <laughs> what did you think about her? I just thought she's a cool person. Yeah? Yeah. She was full of herself. (laughs) She was. Yeah. She certainly was full of herself. Yeah. That's a great way to describe mom. Yeah. Yeah. So did dad come to y'all and say, hey, I'm going to get married? I'm going to marry Brenda? Were you cool with it? Surprised? Yeah, I was fine with it. I like Brenda. Yeah. 
she was a cute, nice, nice woman. Yeah, so y'all didn't contemplate too much if one of your kids was going to get married. Y'all just was like, yes. all right, sounds good. Well, they're going to do it anyway. So. Right. <laughs> yeah, but what, did, Dale, did Dale do anything that made you angry? Oh, yes. Well, what did he do? Because it's like, you know, quitting school. Well, it just he's seems like, like he's going to be that way. And then getting married. We like Brenda. What did he do that agitated you? Well, he was always usually into something. I don't know he remember exactly what, but he was always up to something. Like mischievous? Yeah. How do you get mischievous out of Dale Earnhardt? Well, I threatened to whip him, but I, nine times out of ten I didn't. But Probably couldn't catch him. No, probably not. <laughs> so one time but I heard that— he was, he was not a bad kid. He was just— One time I heard that he got into Ralph's beer in the garage and drank it. And uh, they tried to put water in it and put the and try, yeah. No, I don't remember that. I do. He told me about it. He said I went out there. He said the one. He said the worst whooping I got from Ralph was uh, me and my buddies got in his beer in his cooler about halfway through there. You know, we took a couple's drinks out of it, and then we realized that we were going to really get in big trouble once we started to figure out that the beer wasn't that good and that the repercussions were going to be bad. And he tried to put water back in it. And Ralph obviously, you know, realized what was going on and wore him out. <laughs> of course he did. School, quitting school ain't that big. Don't drink my beer, though. Yeah. That will get I you think, to whooping. I think Dad would tell me that one thing about Ralph is he didn't want you to, he did not like it when you lied to him, when that's you told right. him when oh, you were dishonest. That's right. That was the worst thing you could be. It didn't matter how small of a lie it was. Uh, that he did not put up with that. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. When when Ralph passed away, do you recall how it affected the kids? And and because uh, I've always heard stories that like you know Dale Earnhardt, you know it, it it obviously affected him when you lose your dad. But like, w- what do you recall of the kids in the aftermath of his passing? Were y'all? I mean, I imagine it was a very difficult time. It was a very mm-hmm. sad time. I think Kathy had me and you went to take Grandma back to the mountains. Yeah, she says yeah. We stopped in Canton to see the presses that Ralph used to drive a race car for. And he, she told us we needed to call home. And so we, Kathy called home and Ralph had passed away. And uh, a lady told me later that she said her, her husband had sent her over there to see if Ralph had a part for a car. Mm-hmm. And he, that Ralph was started in the back door, and he told her he'd be back in a minute. Well, he went in, and she said she heard a thump like something fell, and he didn't come back out. So she went in, and he was laying in front of the sink, and she said this water was running like he had been trying to wash his face. And she found my phone and went and, and went and got one of my neighbors, Miss oh Purser, and. Uh, but he, that's how he died. Yeah, a lot of people want to say that he died in his garage working on his car just because it sounds like a better story. But the truth is he died in his kitchen. That's right. The kitchen that we all celebrate a lot of our family reunions in year after year after year it makes that place even more special. So that t- that bothered, you know, Dad's talked about it in many interviews, how that bothered him to lose his father so young. And I think that makes it even more impressive to me that he was able to make it. Mm-hmm the way he did in cup racing and become the champion he was without that guidance because Ralph's guidance would have been invaluable to him. So how did he not lose his way in 1974, 75, 76? Well, he started 
like I said, trying to work out of the garage and do it, everything that his dad did. Was he know? working on people's cars as well and, and racing? Yeah. And so he started, he gathered up Ralph's stuff and then started going to the racetrack. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a, he's going to make, he he's going to make it in racing. He was going to try it. Yeah. And then Rod Osterlin gave him a chance. Right. His first chance to prove what he could do. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, that must have been tough because losing his father and losing his motivator and mentor and all that, that happened in 73. Really, he got his first cup ride in 75. I mean, he must have been running all over town Mm -hmm. trying to wheel and deal and connect and network and creating relationships he probably didn't even know he was creating um, that would become profitable quickly. Um, He got his first race in a cup car in 75 at Charlotte in Ed Negri's car, uh, and then that dovetailed into a couple more opportunities in 76, 7, and 78. With, uh, 78, he ran a couple races with Will, Will Cronkite's car. I learned that the car that he drove for Will Cronkite, uh, that he actually ran in the top 10 at Talladega, or he had some great runs. He ran well at Darlington, Talladega, was the Bud Moore Ford that Buddy Baker won three in a row with at Talladega. Really? Yeah. I read that in a story that uh, from way back where Will Cronkite states that he bought that car from Bud Moore, and it was a good car because it had won those three races at Talladega. And Dad got in it. Dad goes over to the shop to put his seat in it and beat the floorboard half to death and cut the, <laughs> cut the bottom of the car to get the seat all down to where he wanted it and all that. <laughs> And Will's like, dang, I just bought this thing. (laughs) (laughs) And this kid's tearing it up. And I was in the truck, a little kid. Yeah. Dad parked it. Did I tell you this? No, but this is good. This is all. Yeah, so Dad, Will Cronkite, sent me a letter. And he's like, when your dad came over to the shop in 78 to put his seat in the car to run Charlotte, he pulled his truck up into the garage and rolled the window down, and I was in there at four years old and leaned over the driver's side door looking out the window and watched them do that. for four, Watched them work for four hours. Never said a word. Dad never went into the truck and seen if I needed anything to eat. or uh, They just worked, had, to, had to go to the bathroom. They just worked away four or five feet away, and I'm sitting there just watching them the whole time. Not, wow. Yeah. I didn't know that because you don't remember some of that. You know, can't remember that far back in your. That's the problem. With I, I do remember my fourth birthday, and that happened in your kitchen, Memo. Mom, you, maybe a couple other people were in there, and it's my fourth birthday. We're in your kitchen. The word is that Dad's not gonna be there. I was a little disappointed, and then he come rolling around the corner, riding on a quarter scale sort of size Tonka truck <laughs> like a dump like a Tonka dump truck a yellow Tonka truck and he come in there smiling he had on black jeans and a white t-shirt and he come around from the washer and dryer side around that corner yeah surprise was like hey <laughs> I'm, I'll never forget it that's the earliest memory I have of my childhood did you go to the 1979 Daytona 500, Dad's first Daytona 500, where, remember, it rained? You weren't there? I think so. I think I did. Do you remember Dad's first win at Bristol? Oh, yeah. Were you there? Mm-hmm. What was that like? Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite racetrack was Bristol. Really? Mm-hmm. What was so good about Bristol? I just loved 
I just loved it. I just thought it was exciting yeah. to watch because yeah, you know it was all turns almost. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and uh, were you shocked that day when Dad won that race? Yeah. Yeah. Was that I was excited for him. Yeah. What's easier, watching your husband race or watching your son race? Or what's actually? I'll rephrase that. What's more difficult? Is it watching your husband or watching your kids son. race? It's Sound. more difficult. Were you were you nervous? That's part of me out there racing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was hard to watch kids. Just like with Kathy, she worried me to death racing, but she won all of her races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, took Dale a while to uh, yeah. to start winning. <laughs> were you surprised about? You know, Dad winning championships so early in 1980, his second full season in the Cup Series. I was excited for him. Yeah. There you go. I got a picture on the wall over there from Sergeant Peppers. They used to go to Sergeant Peppers yeah. and, ch and have all their parties. And that's the framed banner, I guess, what would you call that? Flyer? Poster. Yeah. Yeah. What was Sergeant, Sergeant Peppers? What, yeah. It's a bar it was just a plug, like a club yeah. a bar. So Sergeant Peppers salutes Dale Earnhardt, number two, in the Australian Racing Team. Was that in Kannapolis? Mm-hmm. You've been in the same house for 60... Six, 63 years. 63 years in the same house. We Did, moved there when I was pregnant with Danny. Is that right? The last kid. Wow. Mm -hmm. Where did y'all live before that? In an apartment house. So when I, I remember the first thing that I noticed when I went to your house uh, that you live in now, that you moved into when Danny was in your belly, um, was you had figurines of Elvis Presley. Oh, I still got Elvis on my You do? <laughs> I so, still got a small thing of a statue of him. So I have an Elvis room in my house. Yeah. And I've always had an Elvis room in my house and uh, have all kinds of collectibles and stuff like that. And that's because of Mamaw. Okay. And her love for Elvis Presley. When you went to her house back in the 80s, there were at least half a dozen or to a dozen figurines, you know, little uh, canteens like yeah. these uh, race cars right here. And uh, music. She always had Elvis playing or, you know. And uh, so what. I, I got to go see him in person. Right. So what Whoa. What was the. Um, but they wouldn't let me touch him. <laughs> but what? you tried. I, I, I would have if they let me. Was it just Elvis? Did you like any other musicians or. Yeah, I like some of the country singers. Who? Uh, Anybody? Hank. Hank, uh, Hank Williams. Williams and, yeah. The original Hank. Yeah. So. When did you first? What do you remember about Elvis? Was was you was all the kids? Was this in, when you were in school that you became an Elvis fan, mm -hmm. or after that, or after I was married? Oh, after you was married, mm -hmm. you became an Elvis fan. What did Ralph think about that? Him, <laughs> he's like whatever. But I well, I don't think I got to go see him till after Ralph passed away. Right, oh, but you were right? a, you were a huge Elvis fan, Elvis. and did you play his music all the time? Oh, you in to, the house, yeah. and then after Ralph passed away, you said you went. To see Elvis, where would you person, go see him at? At the Charlotte Coliseum. Yeah? How yeah. close did you get? Well, I, I, would, I, I was sitting close, but they wouldn't let me get close enough to touch him. <laughs> <laughs> Who's they? Who, the, Whoever I was with, yeah. I can't remember now. Oh, the people you were with or, were stopping or, you from or either, going? Either that or the people the guards. that worked, the people that worked there. <laughs> yeah. She tested them both up. Was there other people trying to get up there and touch <laughs> them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen those uh, videos of uh, all, all those crazy ladies yeah. out there trying to get to Elvis. Yeah, she was mm -hmm. one of them. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. taking her to uh, Graceland? Remember we went yeah. to Graceland and did the Elvis car? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And uh, you went with us, and now I know why. Yeah. She, she huge was Elvis fan. a huge Elvis fan. That's right. That was a sharp-looking yeah. car, by the way. He was a, 
He was my hero. Yep. Were you sad when Elvis passed away? Oh, yeah. That was a dark day. It was. Good Lord. Surprising. It right? was. What did you guys, when you used to, as a kid, go over to Mamaw's house, you know, what was that like? Because, you know, I, everybody has imagery of visiting your grandparents. But like, what Mamaw was, like was uh, the great thing about Mamaw was that Dad was very intimidating. Dad could be intimidating in a fatherly way, and that's probably more, in, that's that's very tough as a kid you know he beat, you know he beat and bang guys out on the racetrack but then he didn't they they go their way and he'd go his way and they wouldn't see each other for a week well i had that every day but mamaw when mamaw was around or if she if we were at her house or she was at our house he, she mellowed him oh she, she you knew that the intimidator wasn't going to come out mm. right can you remember coming to stay with me some oh yeah I was good when you'd be gone. When your dad would be gone racing and all. I started racing. Well, it was right around. I just got my driver's license and I started racing street stocks. And so I'd run Concord, and she lived in Kannapolis, which was just a few minutes away. Dad would go race. This is before the. Yes, I do remember that. But I would then, when I got my driver's license, I would come over there and stay. Yeah. And then I'd take off, Hmm. and I'd go down to Concord, Kannapolis, and cruise with my buddies. And she'd be (laughs) mad when I come in late. Oh, so she, you had oh, a curfew yeah. at Mammoth three, three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, what? There was no curfew, but it was just coming well, in that late. That's a pretty darn Three o'clock curfew. in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I'm mad at you, too. No, that's not the curfew. I get it, no. but, but three o'clock in the mad. morning <laughs> is late. Yeah. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I didn't think it was a big deal. <laughs> well, no, at the time you didn't, but I was, I, was, there, I was worried to death. I know, but yeah. I was out there spinning my wheels, man, just having, <laughs> <laughs> having fun. And then we got... We, I got to street stock racing, and I'd come over there and spend a night, and we'd do the same thing. I'd come over there and unhook the trailer with the race car and then take off to uptown. Uptown, We had the mall and a bunch of other things, you know, to cruise around and do and just trying to meet girls, you know. You understand. It's not like he was on a basketball team and he could just find his, uh, <laughs> find his wife, you know, by being awesome on yeah. a basketball court. It ain't that easy for everybody. Yeah. So do you – I'll ask you this. You might – do you remember the first time – that um, do you, it might not have been the first time, but the, the the I guess mom and you were at your house. Y'all were on the front porch, and dad dri- dad drove up with Teresa. They had a little battle royale. They had a little wrestling match on the front porch. Oh wait a second, I got. <laughs> yeah, I've got to hear this. I don't, I don't Ma- really Martha, don't that. Or Kathy says somebody got smacked. Who got what? smacked, Kathy? Teresa got Teresa smacked. Got smacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard that story, but I ain't never been. I'd heard rumors and little bits and pieces. Who's wait, wait, who, who's doing the smacking in the kitchen? All right, so they got inside the house. Oh my lord! Who? who Mama did the just smacking? Mama snapped. Ooh. Martha, dig deep. You got to remember something about this. <laughs> Come on, we're begging. I'm hanging on this on one. You. I really don't remember all that. <laughs> or, all right, so or maybe. Maybe I'm just trying to forget it all. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't blame you on that, but there's still, we got questions. Kathy's we? version of events is that my, mom brought the kids to the house to, to do a switch with dad. Right. And dad and dad brought Teresa, thinking, hey, man, that's no big deal. <laughs> and there was a physical altercation. Wow. Yeah. This is so good. Did, hope Brenda won, didn't she? Did she? Who won, Kathy? 
Brenda, Brenda won. Yeah. Ding, ding. I don't doubt that. That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd heard about that a long time ago, but I wasn't sure if it was. I didn't know. I guess I had it wrong. You know, I thought they went, gotten wrestling and pulling hair on the front porch. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the second time they uh, switched the kids off. All right. Well, that'll make a headline this yeah. week. <laughs> <laughs> do you um do you go down to dad's statue ever in Canapolis? Mm-hmm. yeah do you it must feel pretty good to have mm-hmm. a statue sitting down there because it's really well done don't you think it's i that man did a wonderful job yeah so there looks just like right him. there's a statue in downtown Canapolis, a memorial to dad uh i love it i, I mean obviously it's not as close to my house as it is yours and i was just wondering if you go down there often because i would i think if well, I, 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 I think ride, if i lived a few yeah. blocks from it i'd be over there take, yeah i ride out. by about every week just on purpose yeah yeah take a look at it we had somebody tweet us a picture of uh, them and mama july 2010 she drove by and saw us there so she stopped she's such a yeah. sweet lady yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have people coming over all the time yeah saying hey you're all you're very approachable <laughs> do you still watch racing today? You do, don't you? Well, yeah, but it ain't exciting because ain't no one hurt out there. Well, I'm in the booth. You don't listen to me. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I listen to you, but I don't. There ain't nobody on the racetrack. Well, Jeffrey's to watch. out there running a little bit. No, not enough. <laughs> ain't running enough for you. <laughs> do you think Dale does a good job broadcasting? He, he does a good job. Oh, thanks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I enjoy you it. Good, you do a good Thank job. Thank you. I'm gonna do it for a bit. I think. Um, you got a favorite driver these days? Martin Truex and Kevin Harvick. Martin Truex. Oh, really? Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick. Really? Well, see, Kevin took Kevin Dale's took right. Dale's yeah. Ride. Kevin said some bad things about me, Memo. Has he? Yeah. <laughs> said I stunted the growth of the sport. Really? Yeah. You I did. didn't know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was mean to me. Changes your thing. A couple years it. back. I didn't know that. Yeah. But he did take over his dad's ride. Yeah. He won this weekend. So you'll yeah. be happy to know. Yeah, I watched him. You did? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so a good you did, race. You did watch the race yesterday. Yeah, I did. Yeah. It was a good one. I was pretty excited about it. It's a great finish. Did, yeah. did, you did, like Truex? I do. I do, too. He's pretty I good. Do. What he's do you like friend. about him? I just think he's a really nice person. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nice guys out there, though. In you, fact, he lives across the lake up at Lake Norman. Yep. From my brother, Bill. Bill passed away, but my his wife still lives there, yep. and he she lives across the lake from Mark. I did not know that. Yep. Neighbors. Mm. You get to, you go over and visit her? No? You no, know, she's not normally because she's just a little bit far away. Yeah. That is, that is a, he is on down the lake. Do you, okay, do you have an opinion of seeing Austin Dillon out there in that number three car? Does that, does that invoke any type of uh, opinion one way or another? Well, it's Richard's grandson, so I can't say too much about sure. that. Yeah, that's the way I felt about it. I felt I may I probably wouldn't have liked it if it was some random guy, yeah. but it's his son. It's his grandson. It's in the family. Yeah. yeah. And I always thought too, like well, so, see, Richard didn't Richard used to drive a number yeah, three Rich, when it was he Richard's drove. number yeah. before it was dad's yeah. number. You know? I like the way you think them all. Plus, you know, these kids they, they start playing sports when they're little kids and they got numbers on their shirts and they, they they make a connection to that number, yep. and they want to have – how can you deny them the ability to continue using that number that they they have a personal connection to? And uh, I think Austin was number three throughout his whole childhood. And, and, yeah. Well, even yeah. before that yeah. when he played childhood sports yeah. and so forth. Um, how do you love – how do you like being a, a grandparent to all these grandkids that you got? I enjoy it. 
I finally gave you one after all those years you <laughs> begging. I know you don't, but I don't get to see her. Well, she'll... I'm hoping she'll come Wait. over here today. She sure is. A, she sure is a pretty little girl. Yeah, Amy's supposed to be running her over here for you take off, but yeah, she gave me a hard time for a long time about did. giving her some grandkids, and <laughs> um, but you know it. <laughs> If we don't give our grandkids, then the family reunions aren't going to be as robust and yeah. enjoyable. And, and now with all those grandkids running around there, I was always wondering, you know, when Dad passed away and then Randy, um, you know, would the family stay connected? Uh, but it's a real uh, concerted effort by all the aunts and, uh, you know, my generation for all of us to, to stay together. And, and we have we do Thanksgiving. We do Christmas. Every year, yeah, at Mamaw's house, yeah, and we used to have a uh, summer sort of thing uh, at Kathy's on when she lived on the lake, but that's went away. And me and Amy've actually talked about hosting a bit of a family <laughs> thumbs up for Kathy, yeah, a bit of a family deal over at our house or something, or maybe yeah. even our lake house. That'd be fun. But um, yeah, it's I love the Earnhardt reunions, don't I you? Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because everybody comes and sees you. Yeah, right. That's right. I bet I I bet you see me more than you see some of them people. Well, that's true too. See, well, see them. Why don't we give them a hard time? Oh, Where are right. they? Where's that? Where's their hard time at, Mike? Well, no, yeah, Carrie, you got a lot of explaining to do, bud. <laughs> Come on, Carrie. I know you got the daughter out there doing all kinds of rodeo shows. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can swing by Mama's house. The heat's off. Yeah, uh, Carrie, you got some explaining to do. Come on now. Hey. All right, that's what we're going to do. We're going to Dirty Mo Media is going to be able to pull and the family I, together for a big reunion. And the older he gets, the more he acts looks like Dale. He looks just like Dale. Uh, mm-hmm. He does. You know, I was sitting here just enjoying y'all talking, and, and you know, a, a grandson and a grandma. And my grandma was my favorite person my entire life, and I'd, I'd give anything to have one more time. And the memories are so so incredible. What's your favorite? I got to ask you this. What's your favorite, like, that warm memory of being over Grandma's house, you know, being over your Mama's house? Um, I don't, there's a lot of different things that I always enjoyed about going over there. Mama always had these awesome little models of Ralph's cars. I loved Still that when I was them. a little boy. Yeah, she does. And the pictures of Dad or Ralph that uh, they're always fun to see. Even other family members, her sisters, her brothers, um, there's a lot of family pictures in there. Just trying to learn who everybody is and learn about your family. She had a lot, didn't she? The, uh, so you didn't have a I lot, had a, a lot of siblings. Actually, they. I came from a family of twelve people, children. Wow, goodness gracious! So that says a lot of wow. pictures on the wall, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mother and daddy had seven girls, and they finally got one boy. Now it explains why she was wondering and, why you were taking so long. And, I mean, this is what she. This is her normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I come along, and I bet my daddy said, "Oh no, not another girl." <laughs> yeah. Because they'd already had seven girls. They were hell bent on having a son, had, right? Had two, well, they had two sets of twins, a set of girls, and a set of boys. My goodness. So I was the youngest girl. So there's twin genes in my family. Mm-hmm. Think about oh, that. Come on now. What, you, what you got going on oh, now? No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. Boy, wouldn't that be payback? That That'd would be, be awesome. something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Amy, we ain't got, we're going to have two. We're going to have three. <laughs> Wait, are you trying to say something? 
Wait, well, you're not making an announcement or anything right now, are you? I would never make an announcement <laughs> on, like the on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. things are reserved for Twitter, right? I mean, yes. like some things you got to hold. It's so important that you'd have to put it on Twitter, no. not the podcast. Right? He better tell me first. You better be right. Yeah, you better, yeah. that's right. He better tell you first. <laughs> Do you recall when he uh, made the decision to retire uh, from racing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dale Jr. Did you have, did, you know, what did you think about it when he decided to hang it up? I mean, he had well, a lot of head I stuff. thought it was about time. There you go. Hey. That's right. <laughs> my, you read books, Memo? Yeah. Did you read my book? I did. What did you think? You did a good job. I, my brother borrowed it. I let my brother borrow yeah. it. Mm -hmm. he, Stanley needs to give it back, right? He, well, he, he will. Oh, he. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he will. So what do you feel you time with these days? What's, what's Memo doing? Not a whole lot. You going to church? I am going to you church. You got your friends? You and got your friends friend. do stuff? You, Memo taught me how to play... Chinese checkers. Oh, I remember that <laughs> game. Isn't that the one with the dot, uh, the balls on the table on the or the marbles? Marbles. Isn't that Chinese checkers? Yeah, yeah. I right. still got one in my closet. I know. So <laughs> when I was a little boy, when I'd come over there and stay with her, she had friends that would come over, and she's like, "All right, my friends are coming over. We're gonna play. It is Chinese checkers. It's on this big, big round board. There's." Uh, like about nine balls for each team, each player, and they're all each a different color. And you, you hop them like you jump right. like checkers, and you try to move your balls from one side of the table to the other. It's very fun. I even play. I even bought a down. I downloaded an app onto my iPad to play it, and that's only because you introduced me to it. And I've not played that game with anyone else in my <laughs> life. I play it oh, on really? my iPad, and I played it with you when I was a little boy. Um. That's a memory of going to Mammoth playing yeah, Chinese yeah. checkers. I've still got one in my closet. Yeah, probably the one we played. Probably. Yeah. What was your favorite uh, memory watching uh, Dale Jr. Uh, race? Of all his races and all of his uh -huh. accomplishments, what was your favorite? When he won. <laughs> yeah. Anytime we won. Yeah. Daytona 500. You remember winning me mm -hmm. winning the Daytona mm -hmm. 500 in 04 in 2014? Yep. Winning the Bush Series championships yep. when Dad was around. Every time you raced, I, w I watch you. Yeah. Now she's got that Kevin Harvick. you got to go watch Kevin Harvick. <laughs> now she'll have somebody to pull for in Darlington. She's throwing shoes at the TV because Kevin Harvick gets wrecked or something like yep. that. And it's Kevin Harvick. Do you got any – do you have any regrets? Not really. Yeah? Mm -mm. Anything you'd do different? No, not really. <laughs> that must be good. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Well, there's a lot of things I'd like to change because – you know, it would bring back people that I've lost. Yeah. But, you know, see you got a picture just like I got. The Ralph where yeah. he's sitting in his car? Yeah. Yep. That was one of his, I guess, his first races. Yep. That, that's what he used to wear to race in. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. He looks like a bomber pilot. Oh, well, that's really pair, kind of what they would use in a pair, lot of those cars. Pair overalls. Yeah. <laughs> Coveralls. Coveralls, yeah. Yeah, yep. that's right. Yeah, but the helmet and so forth, they did use a lot of aviation is that right? Equipment, because that was really the only thing. The only there wasn't thing. racing helmets. Right. There wasn't a racing helmet provider. And so you kind of used whatever you could find. And a lot of guys did use some aviation yeah. helmets and so yeah. forth. I, I got a question. Football you, helmets. You're talking about change. What, is, uh, what do you think about all the change in Kannapolis going on right now? Oh, yeah. They're doing a whole revitalization. And, I mean, you've mm -hmm. been in Kannapolis for a long time. Do you, what do you think about all that? Well... As long as they don't move the statue, I'll be all right. There you heard it. Don't move a statue. <laughs> all 
or he's got one coming Gosh, if you touch no, that statue. Oh, no, man, I'll be down there. <laughs> Can't I'll be down there. I'll lay on the ground in front of him. That's right. Somebody you know, made like, a statement about they should put it up at DEI or somewhere hell like no, that. I no. said, no. It belongs in Kannapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Hell, nobody, uh, can, cause he, nobody can get into DEI. No. I ain't been over to DEI since 2008. I ain't going over there to see it. Leave it where it's at. Right. What about the Intimidators? They're changing the team name of the baseball team in Kannapolis. That disappointed me. What they changed it to? I don't know. They don't ain't know decided yet. yet. We were hoping they you'd tell us. <laughs> they ain't going to be the Intimidators no more, man. Well, I, don't, I, I didn't know that. Well, Teresa owns the rights to the name, and they're having a little difficulty working out the royalties and so forth, and that makes it challenging for the new owners of the team. So I don't blame them for wanting to change because they can't make any money off of the name that they own, no. that they have, right? And so it's a bit of a – uh, that's the, really the the reason. Uh, they're not changing it out of any other, you know, out of spite or anything, or just to change it. They'd probably love to stay the Intimidators if they could have could, ownership yeah. of the name. But um, hopefully they come up with something that just, you know, is a tip of the cap to the history of the town. Yes. Um, and I'm sure they're going over that. They probably already know what they're going to call they it. They probably do. But dang, don't move that statue. Don't, I'm nervous. Don't move the statue. <laughs> don't move it. They're keeping that whole strip no, with the bank not. and the jail and – they ain't going to move They ain't going to move. It's heavy. We ain't going to let them. <laughs> Just can't up and move that statue. It's heavy. <laughs> no, they're not going to move it. Mamma, I appreciate you coming. Well, I enjoyed it. Well, we enjoy talking to you and seeing you. Thank you, Kathy, for coming over here and, and helping fill in some of the gaps. And, uh, man, I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you all for having me. All right. Yes, ma'am. We appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right, guys, we got something new for you. Mm. On the Dale Jr. Download, let's take a listen. Hey, my name's Kira, and I'm 18 years old. I met Dale Jr. in April of this year when him and Chase Elliott randomly, or I thought randomly, pulled up at the place I work looking for a car wash. Hello. Welcome to Autobell. How's it going? Are you Kira? Yes, sir. Would you like to try our manager special today? Uh, maybe. So, hey, Kira. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's good to see you again. Why don't you tell everybody listening uh, how we met? Back in April, um, I was working at the car wash, Autobell, and I was just doing my job, and then Dale pulled up and his friend Chase Elliott. <laughs> how you doing? I'm Dale. I knew they were race car drivers, but I was trying not to, you know, fangirl out or anything. Little did I know what they were really there for. Yeah, me and Chase are going to do your job today so you can have some time off. All right, Mountain Dew is all about the doer. Now, your day off might pay for that passion, but it keeps you from it, too. That's why Dew is giving people DTO. It's due time off. A way for you to go about doing your thing without worrying about your day job. And so what exactly uh, did you do with your time off? So I'm into martial arts. They gave me the day to go, well, I actually met um, Ryan Hoover. He's like the headmaster of um, Krav Maga. It's like a special forces kind of training. And we just I just got to work with him and like train and just take the day to like expand my skill sets and like actually like fight in the ring and learn like different wrist locks and like 
even like gun holds and stuff, how to get out of that, and just a lot of more exercises and stuff. All the opportunities it gave me and stuff, and it just made me feel really special yeah. because never met a girls like this, like this, never met a girls like this, like this. And so I just graduated high school. I work like five days a week at Autobell. Then I also babysit, so I'm working a lot of my time. You guys coming to like give me the day off too, and um, my employer too. He made me like to, cause he's the one that really got me into this, and like you know he believed in my passion and thought I deserved the time off to go do what I love. Do time off. It's also called DTO, and it's a campaign ran by Mountain Dew, and they really just believe in empowering people to go out and do what they love and just live life, and they want to give people time off to go do what they love and pursue their passions without the barriers of work and other responsibilities and just, you know, because time's the biggest barrier and they just give you that time to go do what you love. The interaction with you, with Chase, and that whole program we did over the car wash that day was a lot of fun and it sort of gave us an idea inspired us to, to try to give people that same opportunity to be able to pursue their passion. Now Dale Jr. wants to go hand out more DTO. Dale had the idea of looking at junior motorsports and I think it's the perfect opportunity for Dale to surprise and reward his own employees and colleagues. Thanks to Mountain Dew, I'm going to give some employees DTO, which is due time off. And to make it even more special, Mountain Dew is going to give them a thousand dollars cash. Check out more on DTO. Head over to MountainDew.com. I was excited to meet her, and she's bubbly and fun, right? And it was a really cool environment. The, the car wash was kind of a great place for us to go, sort of piddle around and do somebody else's job. You know, it's a car wash. It's car, got cars around. We, we're car guys, so it wasn't a really unfamiliar place to be you know imagine filling in giving due time off for a massage therapist or something like that that would be very awkward you know I was thankful that it was a car wash and she just got a really great disposition smile on her face all the time seems to be like a great person I was thinking like man her her co-workers must really appreciate her obviously th they did because they put her in that position they thought she was uh, deserving of some due time off Oh, we're live. Boom. All right. Hey, uh, we got some questions for Ask Junior presented by Nationwide. Let's go. We do. First up, um, we got a lot of questions about the race this weekend, but here's an interesting one from Patty James. Have you ever had a weekend like Alex Bowman did this past weekend, and how were you able to handle it? You know, I don't know if I've ever tore up both cars in the same weekend uh, like that, but I remember um, I kept going back to Alan Kowicki. He did that at Dover when he won the championship during his championship years in the early 90s. He wrecked both cars at Dover. I don't even know what they did to get a third car ready. I don't know if they had to borrow one or, or repair the first car or what. But I think it, it during that process, everybody thought for sure that that was the end of Alan Kowicki in the championship battle. But he came back. He, was, he got a reasonable finish that day or that weekend. Ended up working his way back into the points race. And by Atlanta, he was sitting there with an opportunity to win it. And when the others had trouble around him, he ends up winning the championship. Uh, and it was a, a miraculous uh, championship for uh, a team like his and I think that you have to look at Dover at that particular race 
as one of the most difficult parts of the season for them where they faced that adversity head on and made it work. Um, and I, I kept thinking about that for Alex and Greg Ives, thinking about that moment and how the, the integrity that Alan Quickie had and the uh, unity and, and bond that his team had, the leadership that he had at his business um, is what got them through that weekend. And I, you know, watching Greg walking around in the garage reminded me of that. Reminded, you know, Greg was orchestrating the, uh, the, prepare, uh, the, the team preparing that car, that third car that they borrowed from Jimmy Johnson. Greg was in there working. Um, and uh, other guys as well uh, within that team were, uh, you know, getting things organized and helping. JR Motorsports employees were there helping from what I was told. So uh, it was all hands on deck, and, and they got through the weekend, got a reasonable sh- uh, finish out of it, and something I think that they w- could be pretty proud of. When that race started, Alex was not good. He was not moving forward, didn't have speed, and they figured out a way to get a top 20 finish out of that. I'm sure they probably wanted more. I'm sure they thought they could get more at some points in the race. But still, um, you know, that, that's a, those are the, I text Greg. I said, these are the weekends you love. I said, you don't want them all the time, yeah. but these are the weekends where you get to do a little bit of the work that you typically don't do, that you miss doing, like him being in there working, wrenching on the car himself. You know, you don't get that opportunity. The crew chief can't do that. He has other responsibilities. He does not go in there and work on the car. They have mechanics to do that. But in that moment, it kind of takes you back to your roots when you worked on the car, when, you, when everybody did whatever it took to get to the racetrack. Everybody pitched in, so... Um, it was, it was hot, miserable, and they wouldn't want to do that all, all the time. But I know those guys figured out a way to, to come out of there with a great story to tell. You know, it wasn't a miserable experience that they'll never want to relive. I would, I was thinking about, uh, Bowman feeling bad for him in the moment. I, <clears throat> he he had, he ran into somebody on pit road, didn't he? Was it like Eric oh, Jones race, or somebody? Yeah. And now when you're driving somebody else's car and, and you had that contact, that, that has to be a miserable feeling. I don't um, think he thinks about it like that. Uh, maybe not, but I'm just saying that's what I thought about. I'm like, God, now he's driving somebody else's car, and if you wreck it, man, that's got to be some sort it's of – uh, You know, the backups typically aren't as respected, I was, for lack of a better word. And it's in that trailer, and it's not on the racetrack as a primary for a reason. Gotcha. You know, you don't, you don't bring your – Second best primary is a backup. Mm-hmm. The backups tend to stay in the haulers sometimes for multiple events, and um, it's just a car that yeah, I'm okay if it's in that hauler for a few weeks. All our good stuff's out here on the tr- on the on the on the shop floor, getting worked on, getting tuned up for the next race. We know where every car is going for the next several weeks. And that backup's just kind of traveling up down the road, and it's just a safety net. And so, and it's also Rick Hendrick's car. You know, it's not Jimmy's car. Yeah. It's not Kevin Meander's car. It's Rick's car. And so if I was to borrow a car from another team, I'd say, hey, thanks, uh, you know, Chad Knauss or whoever it is. But I know really where that car came from and who's responsible for it. So I think that um, the, the comfort level, I guess, of using that car was pretty, probably pretty high for Alex and, and those guys. Hunting and fishing in God's country is weighing in on YouTube, and he wants to know, hey, Dale, what is the funniest thing you have ever seen happen at a race? Well, that's pretty broad. I don't know, man. I um, well, nineteen ninety eight. <laughs> it was a funny day. Yeah, boy, this funny thing happened. <laughs> an inchworm on my car. But I don't know, Mike. You might have to help me on that one because you were back. You went to a lot of races mm-hmm. back then uh, for the first half of my career, pretty funny much. Thing that, man, it's yeah. a good question. It yeah, is, but we. I, I need a little time to think on that. Yeah, one. let's think about it. Let's come back. Answer to it. the next one. I'm gonna keep thinking on that one. 
All right, we're going to go back to New Hampshire. We're getting a lot of questions about that. Um, what are your thoughts on crew chiefs and spotters encouraging drivers to play rough if necessary in order to gain position on track? I yeah. heard a lot about that this weekend. Yeah, so we had some spotters and crew chiefs during the Xfinity race encouraging their drivers to be more aggressive and and stop. You know, use the bumper if you need to when you're in that you know in certain situations. <laughs> you know, I I don't love to hear it. I never love to hear that as a driver. You know, the listen. Not everybody's going to agree with this opinion. That's totally fine. I think that whatever whatever you are, whatever your aggressiveness is, is going to be your decision, and it's whatever you're comfortable with doing. And you're either an aggressive personality or you're not. Some guys race their entire career without being aggressive and do it great. Some guys are very aggressive and do it great. It really comes down to who you are inside as an individual. And I don't believe that you can implore or change or alter that part of somebody's personality with a few words on the, on the radio. Now, you want to encourage your guy to like, look, man, don't waste so much time trying to get around this guy. If you've got to lean on him a little bit. It's New Hampshire. It's, you know, we race here like we race at the other short tracks. It's okay. Um, that kind of thing I think is fair. Like Harrison Burton early in the race. He's running tidy, tight lines around the bottom of the racetrack, not really impeding the guy on the outside at all. I would rather him go up there and impede that guy, make you know, try to take that lane, try to take that position and force that guy to have to give it to him. TJ would say on the radio to me, take what you need. Mm-hmm. That was encouragement to do whatever it takes to take the position. You have the ability and you're in position to take the groove. Run where you want. Um, but to talk to a t- to talk to a driver and say, I need you to use the bumper or move this guy out of the way, I don't like that. It comes down to the driver's decision to do it if he wants to or not. If he doesn't feel like he wants to do it, if he doesn't want to race that way, that's how that's his choice. Um, and I'm not saying anybody – I'm not calling names or I don't, I don't – I can't even think back in my mind and listening if anybody even said that, like hit this guy, go run over this guy, move this guy. Um, I've heard that in the past. I've heard it, especially at the lower ranks, when you you got you know you got inexperienced spotters or crew chiefs or guys that are that are feisty and and aggressive by nature. Uh, they tend to hop, hop on the radio and fire into the driver and be like, "Don't take any crap. Go out there and hit him. You know, run over him in this corner. You know, go take this guy out. Even. Um, you know, I don't I don't I don't encourage that. I don't like that. So I think you got to leave it up to the driver. Encourage him to to be aggressive in how he drives and passes, but you can't you can't tell a guy that he needs to use the bumper, or you can't you know maybe those are conversations you have outside of the car, like you get together during the week and you sit down and say, hey man, you know do 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 you move him out of the way in the next situation and try to you know pick that driver's brain? But while they're out there in the heat of the battle, man, Cindric I think was the the radio communication that we were listening to. And he's a young guy, and he was wild as a you know alley cat when he first started, and uh, he's kind of calmed down and and starting to you know put together pretty clean races and pretty solid races, and I just hate to see him sort of get get frayed again and get 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 you know sort of off track and because he's got this sort of path to trying to improve himself as a race car driver, and I'd hate to see that change. All right, one more question real quick. Uh, Dustin B., hey, Dale, what trophy is behind you next to the Elvis statue? Sportsman Trophy Greenville. Yeah, Ralph Earnhardt, uh, Greenville Pickens Sportsman Race. I don't even know what went. What year is it? 
58 or I don't know. 57, it looks 57. like. Yeah, 1957. I got a handful of Ralph's trophies. Some of them, I don't know if we got it. We got to cut maybe one or two more in here, but um, Mamaw had this, uh, Mamaw, who's on the show, had this front room in her house that had a lot of shelving and a ton of trophies on it. And she since remodeled her house and took all that down. And I, and a lot of different uh, people in the family got different trophies and so forth. And I got a nice little collection of Ralph's stuff. Yeah, his, uh, I think his 1956 championship sportsman trophies over at DEI. And there's two other trophies over there at DEI that um, I'd love to get my hands on, but I don't know if I ever will. All right, guys, that is it for Ash. Well, we had one. We had the one. Did we come oh, back we... to the funniest God, thing that the we funniest ever thing. Yeah. All right. Well, I was trying to think. I, I, I was trying to zero in to maybe a Tony Stewart media story. I always got tickled over his dealings with the media, but I, I, I can't think of something that Any just jumps out. Anything? Huh? Morgan Shepard falling off with the roller oh, skates. Oh, now that's funny. I, yeah. I'm, but I saw Even that. though I love him so much. I didn't see that. It's a great video on YouTube. I, yeah, I mean, I've seen it on YouTube. That's the only place I saw. Man, I, how are we not thinking of some funny stuff? I mean, we've been doing this a million years. I know. It's such a broad question. I know. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. hopefully we'll come up with something. Maybe we'll come back next week and uh, <laughs> give, give me a, give us a week we'll to think be, on it. We're thinking on that one. Thanks for uh, tuning in to Dirty Mo Media's YouTube channel. Uh, appreciate you guys. Thanks nationwide for sponsoring this segment of the show, the Ask Junior segment. All right, everybody, it's time for the Valvoline DIY question of the week. Dale Jr., uh, over the weekend, maybe uh, you posted a little bit about of a new car you've added to the collection. Is that That's right? That's right, yeah. So I I found um, me and Ray Everham are always sort of sending pictures back and forth of these old race cars that are sort of laying around in, in different parts of the country. And there was uh, my brother sent me a text about a guy who had an old Budmore Mercury, all right, and from 1980, all right. So this car raced against the number two Monte Carlo that we have. And it tracks like Michigan. This Mercury ran at Daytona in the Daytona 500 in 1980 and ran second. It won the Daytona July race. And it's sitting in this place uh, down in South Carolina, I believe, for uh, just very small amount of money, hardly anything. And I uh, text the picture to Ray Everham and I said, Ray, look at this car. I don't know if I want to buy it, but I just sent it to him because he's buying up all kinds of old race cars and restoring them. And he said, that's pretty cheap. Let's get it. Mm. Go ahead and buy it. We'll be <laughs> partners on it. And so I bought it. We went and got it. I have it over at the house and I sent out a posted a picture uh, on social media of this car and it's the Budmore number 15 driven by Bobby Allison. It ran about six races that year, ended up crashing in Atlanta on the second to last race of the year flat sided the right side the damage is still there on the car the chassis is original front clips clean not bent the doors roof all of the from the firewall front firewall back is all original now the front end is uh the front fenders and hood and the nose is not original. It's been it's somebody had tried to start a restoration project on it and then quit very early in that mm-hmm. process. And so we have it for literally nothing, and it's going to need a lot of work if we do anything with it. But it's out of the woods and it's in my shed, and I'll keep it until we decide what we're going to do with it. But it won't go into my graveyard. It's too that's too nice of a car. Car is too much history. 
Yeah. And so, uh, well, I'll just keep it. And also, we have the uh, the number eight Nova. There's a there's some uh, progress on that car. There's also some progress on the Monte Carlo. I'll touch on that as well. The Nova, we put a brand new firewall in the front, brand, brand new rear firewall, mm-hmm. uh, brand new rear clip on the back. All of that stuff uh, was not original. Um, new wheel tubs in the back. I mean, this thing is going to look brand new when it's finished. Um, but we're, I mean, we're keeping a lot of the original roll cage center section to the car. Uh, the roof and everything that's original as well, the doors and so forth. So this car, it's going to be, it's going to look exactly like it looked when it came off the racetrack back in 1985. Um, and so that's going along really well. The guys are doing some great work on it. And the man that's doing the work, Robert G, is the man that built the car originally or helped build the car originally. So it's amazing 30 or whatever years later uh, that it's it's it, the same man still working on it. That is cool. Uh, the number two Monte Carlo, we were going through the drivetrain on that car so to make sure it's safe if I were to take it to a racetrack or drive it around anywhere, that it has brakes, that it'll start, that it'll run. And uh, so we went through the hubs on that car, and then we'll go through the motor and the transmission, drive shaft, rear and housing and all that, make sure everything's good there. And that car, you might start seeing it show up at some of uh, – I'd love to take these cars to Darlington for the throwback weekend, maybe even take them to Charlotte for those races and let people just kind of enjoy them. Well, that's awesome. Good updates on the uh, DIY projects you got going. Man, I mean, car restoration projects all over the place for I you. never even <laughs> had this in my mind, a plan to do this kind of stuff. So it's – it's it's. I'm, I'm trying not to get like Ray Evernham. He's got multiple yeah. projects going on right now. I went over to his shop and I climbed. I climbed in all those old cars just to see what the seats are like and how the you know what the vantage point is. It's amazing. So uh, pretty pretty awesome to see what he's doing to keep the uh, history alive in this sport. All right. Well, from high mileage rides that need that thick anti wear film to newer engines that have carbon buildup, head over to Valvoline.com/dale to find the product spec for your engine. Thanks to Valvoline for this segment. It's been awesome, and we've enjoyed uh, getting everybody updated on the car restoration project. So, White flag. <laughs> Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. All right, white flag. Follow Dirty Mo Media on all social media platforms, especially our YouTube page. We're going to have some stuff coming up on our YouTube page. Uh, from Dirty Mo Media, you know this uh, Darlington thing is coming up soon. So uh, Matthew's going to be uh, shadowing Dale all weekend for that, and then we're going to make something awesome out of it. It's only going to be on our YouTube page. So uh, subscribe to that. Had a lot of growth there. Our television show. Uh, listen, um, I don't want to get into awesome. specifics, but we had a good week last week awesome. in the ratings category. Let's just say that. I. I, I think that uh, with the NBC takeover, I mean, we're having a good week. I like the TV show. Brian doing a great job on that. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on NBC Sports Network. That's 5 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Apple Podcast rating and reviews this week. Uh, hunting Rabbits gave us five-star rating. Hunting Rabbits. Uh, yeah, Hunting Rabbits. We've had a couple of hunting names. God's uh, uh, Country, Fishing yeah. in God's yeah. Country, yeah. and Hunting Rabbits. There it's you awesome. go. A lot of hunting out there. Uh, I absolutely love this show. It has gotten me going back to my local dirt tracks. Sweet. Oh. Yeah, I thought you'd like that. Mainly my track, beca- my roots would like that. Mainly yeah. because I don't want this sport to go anywhere. The download has revitalized my love for racing. And Dale, when you're ready, come race at Springfield Mile sometime. <laughs> Springfield Mile. Do you, are you familiar with Springfield Mile? Springfield Mile? Sounds Is there, familiar. Are you talking about like um, Illinois? Is the, that Illinois or Missouri? Missouri, maybe. I don't know. Sounds so, really familiar. There you go. 
Uh, Zombetic gave us a five star and wrote, really love Dale Jr. Download and DBC. Would love for Dirty Mo to start several more podcasts with energetic, passionate folks like yourselves. That's right. We're energetic and passionate. We're energetic and passionate. That's that's what we are. Y'all know that? Uh, and some you're of y'all, not some of y'all are, are idiots. I'm kidding. You're not I'm passionate. Kidding. Now are he's, this is his form of an apology for and saying that. <laughs> Thank no, no, you for the apology. No, you know, y'all just stop it right there. Um, you're welcome. That's not what that was. MMW West. MM West gave us five stars and wrote, "Your content continuously gets better. The amount of effort put into your podcast is unreal." We got them fooled on that one, don't we? <laughs> I always love. I always look forward to seeing who is next on your show. By the way, Door Bumper Clear is decent. But hail to the Dale Jr. Download. Yes. Yes. <laughs> door Bumper Clear had That's awesome. A, the door Bumper Clear this past week had a lot of folks happy. They loved Tim Fiedel being on the show. And he's on again this and week. And he's too. on again. It's got to really, you know, it's got to rub Brett Griffin wrong. Well, every, all hope. the spotters, everybody up in the uh, hallway. There was so much chatter yeah. that that was the best episode yeah. ever. I just think, yeah, I and think Brett it was, was loving it. Yeah, it would serve Brett well to be a little more honest, outspoken opinion. Maybe <laughs> he and needs, maybe show up he, every he, once in a while. He, he needs to open being, up a little yeah. bit. If we could just get Brett to be opinionated, it would yeah. be all right. By the way, on that note, I forgot to mention this. They're going to do a live show. DBC, oh, Brett yeah. and TJ are doing a live show this weekend at Pocono at 1 p.m. in the fan zone, wherever the fan zone is. So, nice. one, to, yeah, right, right before the race starts, you're going to have both of those guys oh, on stage. Yeah, on Sunday. Yeah. Well, I was begging Mike to send me the, up. The race is at three o'clock. TJ is going to be so freaking nervous. You think <laughs> to be oh, yeah. to not be at the daughter stand three four hours early? <laughs> right, right. You know his batteries will have to be charged oh, and God. all that stuff. He's yeah. going to have to have an assistant that weekend to handle all that. He probably already has one. Yeah. You know, you know TJ. But uh, that'll be fun. We'll see how the DBC does uh, on uh, in a live appearance setting. We we may not want Brett Griffin and TJ out there doing live appearances <laughs> uh, where you cannot edit what they say. <laughs> But uh, that's it, Dale. Odd history. All right, we got some great odd history going into Pocono. Uh, Back in 1981, a caution was brought out on lap 108 when a baby deer Mm -hmm. ran across the track on the Long Pond straightaway. Track workers were able to capture the deer, though, Mike. They released it into the woods. Very cool. There's a lot of wild. Oh, by capture, you don't mean shoot it? There's a lot of wildlife out there. I'm a little nervous about that. In the years since, track activity has been interrupted by many animals, including a rabbit in 1989, a chicken in 1991. That had to have gotten loose from a fan in the infield. A fox in 2017, and a drunken spectator's 93 and 2003. wonder if it's the same guy. Right. The 10-year anniversary of the first time. 1993 and 2003. Drunk fans have ran across... Pocono during the cup races three times in the track's history. In 1981, in 1980, an unknown fan ran to the edge of the track on the final lap of the, of the exit of turn one to give the drivers his approval of their, uh, you know. Oh, wow. wow. Kind of like that fan did with Matt Kenseth at Watkins Glen during the red flag. Y'all oh, remember the that? Hopped that the fence, great. went over, yeah. The cars are racing on the final lap yeah. off of turn one. They aren't and stopped here. That would be a difference. And the fan <laughs> ran out to the edge and was like, good job. It's a new level of Kick some ass. <laughs> See bass. And we're the idiots. <laughs> In 1993, 25-year-old computer programmer Chad Blaine Cole Ran across the track on the Long Pond straightaway. He did it right in front of Davey Allison and Kyle Petty. He'd been taking caffeine pills and drinking cores for 12 hours. Oh, my gosh. He was so disoriented that he got lost in the forest and lit a single fire, single file, 
<laughs> a signal fire. He lit. He lit a fire. So, yes, so people could come and rescue him. He was charged with arson. Risking, I don't know if it was just beer. He was he was charged with risking catastrophe, criminal mischief, trespassing, disorderly conduct, conduct, and drunken uh, public drunkenness. I can't even get all this out. All of which Maybe is expected. Some- <laughs> Wait a minute. Some of these are kind of the same thing. So you guys like getting double charged. No, that, that's the way the criminal justice system works. I'm risking catastrophe and I'm disorder and, and criminal mischief. That's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Calm down, police. <laughs> Gosh. He needs I a mean, charge on his name. Chad Blaine Cole. I mean, I thought I've heard the redneckiest names before, uh, but Chad Blaine Cole. It's K-O-H-L, like the store. His family started yeah. the store. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. It never. It won't never be... The names where it's like three first names, like <laughs> Billy Bob Johns. <laughs> well, I just can't believe that. Risking catastrophe. That's the first time I've ever heard that as, an, as a, a criminal. As a criminal offense. Yeah, that's yeah. what the document said. Yeah. The most recent fan to cross the track was yet again another 25 year old man. Boy, these guys. <laughs> this time it was Steve. How do you even say Polino. that? Polino. Steve Polino. That O is, is uh, silent. In 2003. During a caution on lap 118, he ran across the front stretch in front of Jeremy Mayfield. He pulled down his pants and Moon Mayfield before jumping over the wall and being arrested. Holy <laughs> God, How do we not know of it? This was, and this the, was 2003. The, news, the I mean, news article says that he pulled down his pants and exposed his buttocks. Yeah. Exposed his buttocks. And that was in 2003. That was a good year and, for yeah. drunk people to go on the racetracks, apparently. I mean, he guess he didn't like Jeremy Mayfield. You got to thank NASCAR Man for giving us this opportunity to read this odd history. Follow him on Twitter, NASCAR Man. He tees up some gold for us every week. Maybe that guy's in San Francisco now. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Of Did all you? the people, I never expected her to bring that yeah. up. It's okay if she does. Yeah. yeah. So it's not okay when we do. Dale must have given her the sign to say that. No. What type of sign do you give her that? <laughs> say that San Francisco no. thing. Weird. Uh, did you see the picture I sent you? Yeah. What? Uh, no, no, of the San Francisco. Yeah. Guy. Yeah. You just asked me if. The censored version or the uncensored? I sent him the uncensored version. Okay. Oh, no, I did not see that. What? No, you didn't? No. No. I, ain't I, I showed to, you guys. I ain't trying oh, to yeah. see all that. I mean, you. <laughs> You're you not trying to see me. all that, but you basically claimed to be that guy when the uh, guys when the, when the other team rode the car to victory you, lane. <laughs> you sent me the censored version, and I said the censored part needs to be larger <laughs> to cover the man entirely. <laughs> Anyhow, no, no, oh, okay, the man's whole body. Okay, yes, I cover the I entire. Let's person. clarify that. Let's clarify. Cover that, the entire please. person, Mike. Didn't want anybody going. I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I enjoyed the show, guys. Having Martha was on. You the drunk guy. Having you, you Martha. Blaine Cole, well, man. it says here. Dale's going to cross the track this week at Pocono. <laughs> read the read. <laughs> Having Martha won was special. Oh, it was supposed to be oh, on. Oh, that okay. threw me for a little. I didn't get much sleep last night. Yeah. So who's picking on who now? Yeah. I'll, hey, I'll own it. All right. So having Emma on here was great, and um, she had some great stories and stuff. I didn't even know, obviously, but. Let's have some fun talking about pristine. These ad reads are more than ad reads, obviously. We have fun with them. From memorabilia to authenticity, Pristine is a great partner. If you don't know what it is, Pristine is an authentic memorabilia website where you can bid and win without going into the public auction house. That sucks. So give Pristine's daily auctions a try because they're a lot of fun. They also have 10-minute auctions, so they're real fast and kind of like qualifying laps. You can get in there, sneak in there maybe, and get you some great deals. 
Uh, the best thing about it, though, is the authenticity and uh, of the autographs. It's the real, it's the real person's autograph. No fakes, no phonies. You cannot be sure you're getting the real deal anywhere else, but you can be sure that you're getting the stuff at Pristine. I've signed for them. Uh, there's a lot of racist stuff on there, but there's also some other unique items. Like uh, before the show, we spotted a cool movie prop. It's a barbed wire baseball bat from The Walking Dead, signed by Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Right now, it's at one buck. That's got to go for more than that. I mean, oh, it's got yeah. by a wire on it. I'm going to bet on it just to keep it in here so we can keep Jeez, Mike away. So when Mike uh, <laughs> says you have no ideas, you can It'd hit be even it. better if it had some fake blood on it. Maybe it does. But <laughs> all bids at Pristine started a buck, so you can get, get great deals there. Check out pristineauction.com now. It's free to register. It's free to bid. And, of course, you only pay for the items that you win. That's Pristine Auction, spelled P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E, auction.com. And when you register, be sure, please, 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 select Dale Jr. Download from the drop-down menu in the How Did You Hear About Us section. We really need to let Pristine Auction know that we're sending Junior Nation over there to bid. So y'all get some cool stuff, and we'll see you next week on the Dale Jr. Download. This bit of badassery was made by Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo.